Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, uh, let's get to, uh, you're listening to KLT, KLT HD2 on Odyssey Station. Let's get to some of the uh, headlines here. The 8 at 8. Here we go. One. One. Will Anderson, pro bowler, he has been named as a replacement for Max Crosby to the it's the Pro Bowl games now. They don't have a game anymore. They have a flag football game. How how balls to the wall is Will Anderson going to go in all these Pro Bowl game events? I, I'm actually I'm nervous. He's going to pull a hammy. I am too. Seth, you listed some of these events, and I'm the yeah. one. This one here where the the linemen are are working together to move thousands of pounds of weight. Move the chains. This sounds hernia inducing. Yeah, I don't like yeah. this one bit. The offensive and defensive linemen, each team of five players must work together to move 3,000 pounds of weight off a massive wall yeah, yeah. and be the first team to pull that 2,000-pound wall across the finish line. So it sounds like there's a bunch of weight on a wall. You have to take the weight off the wall, and then you have to pull the wall itself across the finish line. Hmm. Yeah, I don't like that. Any, any, any event that, that has thousands of pounds of weight involved getting pulled... Yeah. For free? I don't like the danger being – yeah, it feels like – I want to – as I'm reading that, I feel like to make it more football-specific, I'd like to see something more like um, like a seven-man sled race or something. Yeah. Like the seven-man sled, like have two of them next to each other, and then put like – get find Andy Reid and some of whoever the other biggest coaches in the NFL. Like have it – so like Andy Reid could be wearing like an Olympic track suit, you know, like <laughs> all spandexed out. Yes. With like a, the and just for team. good measure, for good measure, a swimming cap too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Who would we, the other one be? Who would the other coach be? Oh, well, Mike uh, McCarthy. <laughs> Mike McCarthy with his goggles. One with the AFC and, and one with the NFC. You've even got the conferences <laughs> yeah. represented. And the, and the coaches, instead of facing the players like normal, would be standing on the seven-man sled facing the finish line. Oh, yeah. my God. That's tremendous. Con- <laughs> Congratulations, Will Anderson, but take it easy. At these Pro Bowl games. Two. All right, the coaching carousel. We'll get to the big, big news in just a second, but let's keep it focused on the Texans. Gerard Johnson interviewing for the Eagles' OC job. Cliff Kingsbury also interviewing for the Eagles' OC job as well. Bobby Slowick is scheduled, Seth, to have his second interview with the Falcons today. They, I don't know how close they are to hiring somebody. I just know they've got the longest list of candidates of any team that I can think of. They're, they're interviewing a ton of guys for their head coaching vacancy right now. And um, and Bobby Slowick is uh, Bobby Slowick's one of them. So I yeah. Atlanta, Washington, Seattle, and who am I missing? There's one other opening yeah. that I, oh Carolina uh, is the other one. Carolina, uh, Carolina is going to be Carolina. It feels like Carolina might end up being kind of like Cleveland was 
when, remember, they couldn't get, who they ended up firing the defensive coordinator from the Jets? Mike uh, Patton. Mike Patton. Yep. Um, and Mike Patton was like their 12th choice. Right. They just couldn't find anybody that would take that job. And he lasted two years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's a payday. It, so um, that's what Carolina feels like it might be. I don't know. As far as the Atlanta job, I'm, I'm surprised there aren't, I'm surprised there isn't more reckless speculation about how Belichick may have messed up this interview. Mm. Um, because, uh, like, I, I think, was it just reckless reporting in that people assumed because Belichick was going there to interview that, like, well, Belichick doesn't, like, he's Meryl Streep or something, like, oh, he doesn't, he doesn't audition. Belichick yeah. just accepts your offer. I don't know. I, like, what's the deal? I do wonder... I mean, look, we, we got to know he is Bill Belichick still. I know he's had a bad last couple Street. years, but he's yeah, he's Meryl Street. I do wonder how much of it was Belichick interviewing the the Falcons, you know, as opposed to vice versa. You know, yeah, like Belichick yeah, identifying, yeah. all right, is this something I want to get into? I think ultimately Belichick can be somewhat choosy. He may not wind up with a job this he, cycle. He may like a year off for right. Belichick may actually be one of the best things that could happen to him. You know, and and he also might actually. Let me finish this point, and then I got to say he might actually just yeah um, be committed to only taking a situation that feels really good. Yes, um, I just I thought it was funny yesterday when John mentioned one of the reasons that Belichick might want to take the job in Washington was because of the because it's close to Annapolis, uh, like Annapolis, yeah. and that because he's a naval buff, a naval history buff. And I just had this image of like him taking the job with the commanders, but then all of a sudden just being completely out to lunch, like just down staring at the ships. That uh, taking tours of the of the shipyards all day long and going to like, you think I could talk to an admiral today? Can I meet it? Hey, Mister, is there any way I could meet an admiral? Yeah, dude, that's like <laughs> saying, like, I, have you ever been to the? Seattle has the pop culture museum. Like, could you imagine John being like, "There's a good chance he's going to take the Seattle job. He's a big fan of pop culture." They got the pop culture museum and grunge. Everybody knows Belichick likes grunge. I'll tell you what. One thing I know about. The Harbaugh's, they love they love Chuck Berry, so that Cleveland job and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame being right there. Yes. I feel I, <laughs> they could go see the Chuck Berry display at the at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame anytime they want. He it's can, right, they could walk to it from the stadium. Pete Carroll, huge Motown guy, definitely taking the Lions job. For sure. <laughs> it is, that's what it's the equivalent of. What kind of barbecue does Harbaugh like? I hear he likes that tri-tip, so which is more of a San Diego thing. Does he know that the team moved to Los Angeles? So, Jim, why do you think Jim took the job? Huge fan of Hollywood and wax museums. <laughs> Loves them. <laughs> All right, speaking of, Three. Jim Harbaugh is the new coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. He took the job yesterday, five-year deal. Um, and this is where... The irresistible force meets the immovable object. The I'm just, taint- sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, I started thinking about uh, the the new guy in Tennessee loving country music. <laughs> yes. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. yeah go ahead. Exactly. Yeah. Callahan. Brian Callahan. Callahan big- Brian Callahan, Big Luke Brian guy. Same last name as his first name. He bought a year long pass to Dollywood last year. Now he can use it every day. <laughs> I've been tempted. I love Dollywood. Um, all right. Um, so, Jim Harbaugh, the coach of the Chargers. Seth, this is where the irresistible force of Harbaugh winning everywhere he goes meets the immovable object of the Chargers yeah. finding 
the most soul-crushing ways to lose seemingly yes, every year. Yes, yes, These things where, meet uh, now at a vortex. Yeah, that, that, like, can he be the guy that removes that hex, uh, that curse from the Chargers organization? I think some would argue that no, uh, he can't because it's ownership itself that is the issue. But that's a, it's just too... It's, I've told you before, I'm not superstitious one bit, but the Chargers really test me. Yeah, man. I, it's just, it's weird. It's really, really strange the way that they find all these ways to botch games that should be easy victories by the fourth quarter, whatever. I, I think that Harbaugh maybe is the right kind of crazy to counteract all of that and maybe restore glory to the Char- Chargers franchise. It should be fun. And he can, uh, you know, in the NFL, he doesn't have to worry nearly as much about prying eyes uh, right. looking into his... To his various, you know, he doesn't have to recruit anybody. Nope. Yeah, you can do it all above board. And you don't have to sign steel. You don't have to, yeah, you don't, yeah you're, you're, you're good. I mean, you can try, I suppose, but yeah. Four. A uh, quick one here. The Lions have signed Zach Ertz, tight end, won a Super Bowl with the Eagles back in 2017. Pro Bowler, like at his peak, Zach Ertz might have been the best tight end in football. Um, they need a little depth at that position. Their rookie, Sam Laporta, is banged up. He played well on uh, – Sunday against the Buccaneers. He's a really good player, but he's banged up. Brock Wright, their other one of their other tight ends, is banged up. So, Seth, we might see Zach Ertz take the field for the Detroit Lions this weekend in an NFC yeah, title this, game. This would be one of those things where, like, uh, he might end up if the Lions win a Super Bowl, Zach Ertz gets a parade in Philadelphia. Right? <laughs> yeah, you know, like yeah, where they kind of like they, they they love him so much. He's been around so long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Five. Have you noticed that Mike Florio seems to have a new co's celebre? Uh, Tyreek Hill's divorce. I feel like there's as many posts on Florio's website about Tyreek Hill's pending divorce over the last two days as there is about actual football. I think Florio's fascinated with, and for those who haven't heard, Tyreek Hill has filed for divorce in whatever county in Florida he lives in from his wife of just a couple months, Penny Vaccaro's sister. And it's been a busy year for Tyreek Hill. Uh, He's got multiple paternity suits against him. His house burned partially to the ground. Uh, He he assaulted a a boat captain. Well, he allegedly assaulted a boat captain or a a charter worker, but that was settled. Settled um, it, yeah. There's been a lot going on. I guess this would be normally, for the most part, people would leave this stuff alone. Other than that, even with his marriage, because of social media and everything now, like there's less of a line between what's public and what's not. But the thing that's got Florio going is that it was reported that that Tyreek Hill and his wife were getting divorced, and then Tyreek Hill denied yeah, that he was, was getting good. divorced, yeah. even though there was paperwork in the in the Dade County or Broward County system uh, saying that he had filed a petition for divorce. Yeah. It looks like the issue might be that she, at least when he had denied it, may have not been served the papers right, yet. Right, right. So, I don't know. I guess if, I just, if I were Tyreek Hill's media advisor, which is probably a fun job, <laughs> I might have said, like, hey, man, just just keep it quiet about it in general. Don't make any denials. And uh, then Florio won't all of a sudden turn this into his eight blog post a day thing that he's takes up on every the, now and then. the biggest sigh of relief is being breathed by Jonathan Gannon, who now Florio is distracted from his other crusade to oh, yeah. blame right. Gannon for the Super Bowl loss last year because he That's was getting right. tampered with by the Cardinals. Yeah, yeah, I was trying to remember what like the various other the various other things that oh. he kind of gets he gets up in arms about that nobody else cares about. Yeah. Like legal tampering. Like he used to like he used to just eat he, he desperately needed everybody to understand exactly how much tampering was going on and yeah. like and just it felt like you were stuck at a party with somebody 
telling you that you're a sh- uh, you're just a sheeple because you don't understand the impact of the Illuminati. And you're yep. like, yeah, okay, Florio, I got it. Oh yeah, I got it totally. Yeah, I'm gonna, uh, <laughs> probably going to change the whole way I operate in life. Amazing. Please leave me alone now. He yeah. gets so fixated on things; it's unbelievable. Remember that guy that I booted out of the bar we were in because he started talking to me about. I do. He, he told me I had to open my eyes because he was telling me something about. Like, I do. Yeah. Some secret conspiracy that Warren Buffett had to like whatever, and I'm like, nah, man, I really don't. I'm not interested. I was watching. You better open your eyes. I was. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was watching. The the, yeah. Well, and 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 uh, you were being friendly with him at first, and then I was kind of like listening, sort of out of the side of my ear yeah. to the conversation you were having, and then I heard it go that direction. I'm like, ooh. This isn't going to end well. <laughs> <laughs> I was fine. No, you I were polite. polite you were very polite. Until he said, you better open your eyes. That's well, when I was like, all right. And I think man, even then you were bad. polite to the guy. Like, yeah. like you could have you could have yelled at him. You didn't. You just told him to. I just cut him off. I cut him off. Cut completely. him off yeah. and told him to. I, just, I like a child. I said, no, that's it. No, man. No, yeah. no, we're done. He tried to explain. I was like, no, you're done. Go. That's right. Leave. Yeah. Yep. Six. Real quick here. Vic Fangio out. In Miami, I'm bringing this up, Seth, because he's your former defensive coordinator. I know you're a big, big Vic Fangio guy. I think a lot of people thought this might be the hire that was going to put the Dolphins over the top in the AFC this offseason. Yeah. We knew they had a huge explosive offense, but it just didn't work out defensively. Injuries played a huge role in that, especially at the end of the year when they lost Bradley Chubb and Jalen Phillips. And now it looks like Vic Fangio is on his way to Philadelphia to help Nick Sirianni keep his job. I, I think this is the way it comes full circle, I think, is that it, this feels like one of those things where it might not even be – I don't think – because the, the defense had a bunch of injuries this year. I could see it not being that Mike McDaniel – it's not that he doesn't like or want Vic Fangio. It's that he might want to bring in a different coordinator who runs a different system because that's what he struggles with. Mm-hmm. Um, like much – ironically enough, that's what happened when Sean McVay fired Wade Phillips – it wasn't because Wade Phillips' defense wasn't doing well. They were better than the offense that year, if I recall correctly. It was because he wanted to practice against a Vic Fangio-style defense. That's right. So he brought in Brandon Staley, who had worked with Vic Fangio. Mm-hmm. And um, so they could like practice against that and drill against that and get to know it and pick, pick Brandon Staley's brain. So it, uh, that, that, I'm, I'm guessing it might be something like that. Seven. All right, quickly here. The Rockets lose last night 137-131 to 131 in overtime to one of the worst teams in basketball. The Portland Trailblazers. If the Rockets, it's an 82 game season, so it, you know it's one game is not a massive swing with anything. But if the Rockets at the end of the season wind up one game out of anything, the play in, you know, not having to yeah. play in, whatever it may be, this will be one they go back and circle. They were up by four points with four seconds to go in this game, and the the, the Blazers hit a three with three seconds to go to cut the lead to one. Rockets make a couple free throws, and then Jeremy Grant. Hits just a prayer, 1.1 seconds. So they inbound, and he throws a prayer off the backboard to send the game to overtime. And then the Rockets get steamrolled in overtime of this game. So Alperin Shengun was great, 30 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists. Um, but, boy, um, just a complete collapse at the end of this game. A complete collapse. They had a nice – it was a nice win over the Jazz on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And the Celtics game was Sunday, right? Yes, back to yeah. back. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So they lost. The, they lost the Celtics game, and then lose this one, um, and blow it at the end. I just, yeah, I, I, we, if the, I, I don't know. I feel like we raised our expectations to the point where all of a sudden five hundred is disappointing. Whereas, like a lot of diehard Rockets, like even analytics types, were didn't think they could get anywhere close to five hundred. No, year. I think at home too. They were so good at home early in the season. Yeah. And now that yeah. home, now that the home court looks a little shaky, I think that's. 
disappointing some Rocket fans. Last one here. Um, I need to just a shout out to the Four Seasons in L.A., the hotel. Um, Maintaining decorum. Stop persecuting Britney Spears, please. Yeah. I'm a big Britney Spears fan. Uh, Evidently, a report has emerged making the claim that Britney Spears was banned from the Four Seasons Hotel in Los Angeles. Banned from the hotel, quote, due to complaints about her bizarre behavior and instances of stripping off by the pool, end quote. Mm. Spears reportedly stays at the hotel often, and the staff have allegedly been frustrated by some of her antics. While it's just reports right now, there is reason to believe they could be true. (laughs) Spears has been long known to spend time at the hotel and even once shared a topless picture taken there to her Instagram, which I find to be just perfectly fine. I I, I don't know what the big issue is. You get the impression, this is my impression on Britney Spears, I feel like uh, maybe that that, uh, what was it, the custodianship she had, that her father was the wrong person to be the custodian, but that maybe she does need a little bit of oversight somehow. Because she, like when she went and she grabbed, uh, uh, what's his name there, the spur? Wemby. Victor Wemby. Uh, yeah, thank you, Wemby Nyama. Yep. She grabbed Wemby Nyama at, uh, at that hotel. Like, there's this, you get this reemerging pattern, and it seems like she's just kind of living in a world where, she doesn't think a lot of the rules apply to her. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I like I, I she seems like a sweet girl, you know? I know she's a I know she's a full blown adult now, but there's a part of her that just seems kind of sweet and innocent. Yeah. And I, I and I wonder if like, man, it, can you find some happy medium where somebody somebody helps her control her life a little bit, but that genuinely has her best interests in mind. My feeling it did not seem like her dad had her best interests no, in no, mind. No, no, no. That yeah, that's yeah. that's the and that's yeah, absolutely. The uh the I here's my thing. If you're gonna march to your own drummer or set your own rules, hey man, if the worst thing you're doing is just stripping down by the pool, oh yeah, you know that's hey, it is what it is. You know, it's uh, it, don't you get an good. image though of like it wasn't like she forgot she wasn't in Europe. It was that she might have been like on something topless and uh, like uh, gesticulating or dancing or doing a TikTok or something. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it sounds like there's a pattern of behavior here. It's not just like one incident (laughs) of her uh, topless by the pool. Just go to her Instagram feed. That probably has a lot of the answers right there. A lot of, a lot of random dancing going on on her, on her Instagram feed. I wish I should be, I should get myself into a custodianship. Somebody being a custodianship of you or you custodianing somebody else. Honestly, no, no, no. (laughs) Yeah. I'd like to get into a predatory custodianship, please. Is this the uh, the job advisor? Yes, I'd like to. Uh... <laughs> Hello. <laughs> um, no, I always felt like when I was a, when, when I was an NFL player, I always felt like man, like I just like I, I think more guys just need to be advised to stick your money in a trust that you can't touch until you're thirty. Yeah, that's They're true. Like you just I, like honestly, guys in their early twenties. Remember, your brain isn't fully developed until you're twenty five. And there's a lot of things about judgment and other things that you just flat out, you don't, you don't, you're, you're physically incapable of actually handling some of these things. Stick it in a trust until you're 30, and then, you know, you can make your life altering decisions then. Your brain isn't fully developed till you're 25, and you're in a vocation where your brain gets <laughs> rattled around like a piece of popcorn inside a popcorn popper. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You're in a job where it ain't helping develop your brain either. All right, um, Payne and Pendergast with you. Basically, it's like your head coach might as well be grabbing you and shaking you like you're never supposed to. May as well. May as well. Um, Texans who are seeking redemption in 2024. I've got a handful of names here, and if we could pick one that we want to realize 
the Texan redemption, who would it be? We've got that list coming up next. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. All right, so it was, um, it was a good year for a lot of Houston Texans, particularly the, the 2023 rookie class. I'm looking... The Athletic did their all-rookie team yesterday, and understandably, C.J. Stroud is the quarterback. Uh, they He's a unanimous selection by their staff. Um, Will Anderson, unanimous selection. Tank Dell got a little honorable mention at wide receiver. Boy, it's really too bad. It's too bad that Tank Dell got injured when he did. Uh, the, the wide receivers that are ahead of him, they put four wide receivers on this team. Yeah. Puka Nakua, unanimous. And then the other three are Rasheed Rice of the Chiefs, Zay Flowers of the Ravens, and then oh. Jaden Reed of the Green Bay Packers. Boy, so both uh, Rice and um, Flowers going to get some attention this weekend as yeah. they play each other. Yep. And I thought of that with Zay Flowers last week, where Zay Flowers had a very good rookie year, almost 1,000 yards uh, receiving, mm-hmm. but he's not been nearly as electric as Tank Dell. I'd take Tank he- over him. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, other than that, I mean, Zay Flowers Zay Flowers isn't a big guy either, but a little bit more Stockier. sturdily built. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think that yeah, he's averaging Zay Flowers is averaging like 11 yards per reception. He is much more of a classic zigzag catch it underneath type of guy, whereas Tank Dell can do it in multiple different ways. And and I think I think Tank Dell has more of an effect, uh, a more of a positive effect on the rest of the offense. But he wasn't healthy, so he wasn't there. But it's just he could be that guy. Damn it! Yeah. Henry's that I, I can't torture myself with this, so I hardly ever do. But then I remember, oh yeah, this offense with Tank Dell in it. Uh, like and especially for another, if they'd had another half season of CJ working with Tank Dell and Nico Collins both out there at the same time, what it could have evolved into, it gets me excited about next year. It gets me excited. Like at the end of the day, I don't know that they make it any further. They, it probably looks better against Baltimore in the in the divisional round, but I don't right, like. Right, I don't think yeah. Tank Dell cost them a run to a Super Bowl or anything like that. Uh, you know, the o- the only thing I would say is that that the Texans' defensive strategy. 
could have looked a lot better if the offense were able to sustain drives. That's fair. You know, yep. like you, yep. you go out there and you blitz the hell out of Lamar Jackson. And, but, but then, you know, you're right back out there Five three plays later. later yeah. yeah. Like yeah. they get a multiple looks at you. Like so much about, so much of wanting to be able to control the clock when you're going against a good quarterback, it isn't even as much about like old school, you know, controlling the time of possession. It's just keeping the other guy off the field. Yeah. Just don't give him more samples and, uh, you know, uh, examples of what they can and can't do. Just keep them off the field so they don't get a good look at what you're trying to do. It's interesting because if I'm looking at Texans, I, I think this I think this 2023 rookie class did a lot of good things. And I'm not just talking about C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson. Like when Jared Patterson was in there before he got hurt, he did some good things. I thought Juice Scruggs got better by the end of the year. You know, he's still got work to do, but Tank Dell we just talked about. You know, he, you know even some of the other lower round picks, Henry Toa Toa contributed on special teams, whatever. Dylan Horton... You know, before he went out, was was in the rotation and, and making a yeah. play here and there for them. So feel good about that class. The 2022 rookie class, though, Seth is is chock full of guys right now who I think are playing for spots next year. Two years in, you know, um, Kenyon Green, you know, two years in has either been bad or injured, missed all of last year, and and, he, and, and missing a whole year. It's not just the games you miss; like it's the opportunity to be in a new offense and, and learn it. Like he's basically going to be operating almost like a rookie next year in some ways. Jalen Petrie, huge expectations for Jalen Petrie this past season. He did mm-hmm. not have a good year. Um, John Mechie, we know his situation's a little bit different because of his rookie year was completely wiped out because he was getting cancer treatment. But his first full year as a player, very little impact for John Mechie. And then Damian Pierce, who I yeah. there's a chance, I don't know, I feel like there's a chance Damian Pierce might have taken his last regular season I, snap as a Houston Texan. The the way that um you know D'Amico D'Amico didn't really go out of his way to give like full-throated support to Damian Pierce uh, when he was asked about him in his final press conference. Now that that doesn't always mean anything at all, but I I do think that there might be just uh this might be a situation where Damian his I mean he told you and Clint that this scheme was really hard for him to pick up and that he thinks it's going to be something that couldn't be fixed during the season. He's going to have to learn it this off season. I think that realistically, if D'Amico and Bobby Slowick and Gerard Johnson, whomever else is in charge on offense are sitting down and looking at it and thinking, okay, well there's, there's teams out there that, you know, are not as outside zone heavy that might be very interested in Damian Pierce. And that might be the best thing for Damian Pierce too. So like there's, if there's a trade opportunity there, that might end up being the best. Instead of Damian sitting here and trying to spend the whole offseason learning a system that he doesn't really feel comfortable with, then why not get compensation for him, um, allow him to go somewhere where he can thrive, and then you start to find guys that, that do meet, fit the bill more. I, do, I mean, I love, I love his attitude about it. He was just awesome talking to you guys about it. He's gung-ho about just, like yeah. just figuring out how to run in this system. Yeah, I would hate to see him go just from purely a personality standpoint. He's a, he's yeah. a, he's a great dude, no doubt about it. I um okay, you're Nick Casario and some team calls up and says fifth round pick for Damian Pierce. I think I'd probably take it. I think I would yeah. too. I think I would and, too. And this is the thing. Like it's it's kind of like you could have a you could have a really kick-ass sailboat and you could have a really kick-ass motorboat. Um but depending on how you want to use those two things, like that kick-ass motorboat might be 
completely useless to you. Yeah. You know, and I think Damien Pierce, ironically enough, I shouldn't have used the motor <coughs> analogy, uh, but Damien Pierce is a motorboat. Like, he's just, gun it, go! Yeah. You know, a sailboat that needs to be able to, you know, tack and go back and forth, you know, all that stuff. Vandermeer can tell you that sailboats do. Um, I, it's just, it's just a different, he's a different vehicle than what the Texans need. If you could pick one of those four guys to realize the four, uh, the, remaining guys the, the, no the, the four the four the four uh, 2022 draft picks i just oh, listed Kenyon green jalen petrie john mechie damian pierce i'm giving you a wish a genie has come down and said you can have one of them realize their full potential Kenyon green Kenyon green yeah uh, offensive lineman's more valuable than any of them so i would say Kenyon green even an interior yeah. offensive lineman like uh yeah, yeah. Um, I would think just in general, like because Jalen Petrie, um, athletically, I think there's a lot of untapped potential there. But it's not like he's one of the truly freakish, athletically gifted safeties. Uh, like he was, it looked like that at times two years ago because the Texans were just so bereft of talent. Yep. Um, but he doesn't have like. He doesn't have the pure speed and this pure size of some of the genuine studs of the of the NFL, the safety world. Whereas Kenyon Green, if he can end up being a really a, a, a kick-ass offensive guard, that all of a sudden has the potential to turn this into a different type of offense. He does. It's unfortunate because Kenyon Green does have that attitude of wanting to maul people. Like that, you know, we've been talking about how like it doesn't, doesn't seem like there's a lot of actual maulers. But I think between right guard, Shaq is a mauler. Shaq wants to maul people. But he's getting up there in years. Um, and I think Kenyon Green wants to be a mauler to his detriment at times. He just has to learn when to when to be a mauler and when to use technique. But if he can, if it's just a matter of health, yeah, I would I would take him. You and I have the same answer, but for totally different reasons. Mine's Kenyon Green also, and I think this is probably pretty accurate for what you and I like how you and I both treat things like this. You're looking at it appropriately, so purely from a football standpoint. I'm like that was one of the picks from the Deshaun Watson trade. I refuse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I refuse to lose the picks from the Deshaun Watson trade. So mine would be Kenyon Green purely from the perception of I want the Texans to have won the Deshaun Watson trade. I suppose if you go on to get to a Super Bowl or win a Super Bowl, it means in some ways you've won the Deshaun Watson trade because it all led good and bad all led to this. But yeah. Uh, but in a vacuum, I need Kenyon Green to work out so I can look at it and go, they got Kenyon Green, they got Tank Dell with one of those picks, they got Christian Harris with one of those picks, they used one of those picks in a package to move up and get Will Anderson. Um, the Deshaun Watson trade, man, if Kenyon Green can turn into something, then it's already a home run. Um, but, uh, yeah, Kenyon Green would be mine. I just, I just wanted to double-check myself on something. So if you look at, like, the top-paid safeties, Derwin James, Minka Fitzpatrick, mm-hmm. ugh, Jamal Williams, or Jamal Adams, ugh. Uh, <sighs> but $19 million a year for Derwin James, uh, $18 million a year for Minka Fitzpatrick, fully guaranteed, like, $38 million for those guys, where if you look at guards – what do they say? They're just doing. Oh, I'll just look at left guard itself. I think it's about the same. Quentin Nelson. Yeah, it's I think about it's, the same. Twenty yeah. million dollars a year for for Quentin Nelson. Yep. Yeah. So it'll be you know if they if each if either one reaches their peak, it's it's a similar price tag. I get, looks like I'm biased towards the fatties. I yeah, got a little bit a, of a, I'm a little bit of a chubby chaser. Little, I guess a little fetish. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not not a little fetish at all. Gigantic <laughs> blubbery fetish. Yeah. <laughs> get out over here, Joe Thuney. I got a story to tell you. <laughs> what poster did hey. you what poster did you have on your wall when you were a kid? <laughs> Why hey, Joel Petonio? Will Shields, I got a of bit course. of something else. <laughs> um I would say two other Texans I would throw into the redemption category for different reasons than the four young players I just named. Jim, yeah. Jimmy Ward, 
and Titus Howard. Jimmy Ward, because he's got to stay healthy. They still have Jimmy Ward under contract for next year. So Jimmy, I don't know if Jimmy Ward can figure something out in the offseason to not have quad and hamstring and foot and all these other things going on with him. Yeah. But Jimmy Ward, staying, a, Jimmy Ward and Titus Howard both staying healthy, I think, the big thing for both of them. You know what? I'm glad you reminded me of that, that it was kind of a litany of various issues with Jimmy Ward. And for a guy that's in his 30s, that's... Doesn't, that doesn't usually get better. It's not, the, some of these guys are when they're 22 or 23 and they have a bunch of injuries, soft tissue injuries. You think like, oh, okay, well, maybe it's just bad luck. You get into your 30s. It's, uh, that's just the way things go. Yep. You know? Yep. Um, all right. How much did Josh Hader, the Astros signing this week, their closer, move the needle in Vegas? It did move the needle. Where are the Astros now on the World Series landscape? Uh, that is next. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. All right, so the impact on the odds board, Josh Hader, what are the odds makers, what are the markets saying about the Houston Astros on the heels of signing Josh Hader, one of the top closers in baseball, who may or may not be a closer all the time for the Astros. It all depends. Ryan Presley one day, Josh Hader another, who knows. The Astros, though, now, Seth, are the... The top AL team on the board to win the World Series this year. The Dodgers and the Braves are substantially out in front of everybody else. The feeling seems to be that the Dodgers and the Braves, whoever represents the NL out of those two, if it's one of those two, would be the the favorite. Um, Plus 360 for the Dodgers, so you bet 100 to win 360. Braves are 6-1. to Astros, first AL team on the board, 8.5-1. to well, that's where uh, that's where they were before the signing of Josh Hader, though, too, right? They were, they they were, were favored over the Rangers. They were, but the but the Yankees have slid behind them. They, they, I think they were oh, behind the Yankees. Oh, oh, yeah. I thought they. Oh, I thought they were over there. Okay, I got gotcha. yeah. you. I realize the Yankees. Yeah, were they're over the top them. AL. Okay. They're the top AL team now. The the Yankees. Just with the addition of Hader, it made that much of a difference. Well, yeah. they're. I mean, they're eight and a half to one. The Yankees are nine to one. So it's not this big chasm huh. between the. Take two that, other. Yankees. Yep, yep. Script flipped on them. So, um, so that's. Uh, I like the hater signing, man. Like, hey, if, if Jim Crane's ready to go into the luxury tax, uh, yeah. I would say doing it for the best closer in baseball—a logical move. Well, I think the the one thing about uh, the one thing about this team right now, where I think there's almost a little bit of a, it's like a refractory pessimism from the ejection at the hands of the Rangers mm-hmm. that that I sense that I myself am, uh, have succumbed to a little bit. You have to remind yourself, and this is where the stat nerds can help you a little bit. Like the way baseball looks at Framber Valdez right now um, is is pretty damn bullish and optimistic. Yep. And it's it, that I, I think last year, you know, we went into it wondering, like, wait, how come Framber isn't higher on the Cy Young odds board and everything? Then this year, because it wasn't a smooth and steady ship for him, you kind of 
forget that he actually still ended up with a with a really good ERA, um, and that yeah, he had to work through some rough patches, but. He's still now. I think he's higher on the Cy Young odds board now than he, than he was. Yeah, going into last year. Yeah, he's second behind so, Cole. Yeah. So yeah, like I feel like Framber Valdez maybe just because people realized that he was human. Um, that he because the year before he'd been so freakish with all of those quality games started in a row. Yeah, he was a he was a freakish <laughs> display of consistency. Yep. Uh, um, but then also getting Javier and Urquidy and. Um, um, uh, Garcia, well, Garcia is the big one. Garcia is the big Garcia one. Garcia and McCullers. Javier, Javier yeah. is, I, I, with Garcia coming back and whatever McCullers does, I guess the big question is just, like, what is Christian Javier and how is he yeah. used? You know? Yeah. Like, the guy, is he, does he need to go back to being just, like, from the, from the get-go, is he going to be... Uh, a long relief or what or a, a, an opener or what yeah and he's making 13 million dollars yeah you know? i know i know That's i know but, but that can be really valuable as a guy that can come in and give you four innings you it know? could i mean i mean this postseason remember like he's back he gave you some javier starts in the postseason and then he gets shelled <laughs> he gets absolutely shelled at the end of the alc yeah i just man i don't know i think like we jumped to a lot of conclusions from two years ago Mm -hmm. and that Javier, I think you almost kind of forget that Javier built himself up into being a full-time starter that year. And it's a lot different when all of a sudden you're going to be a full-time starter right from the get go. Yeah. And it's either, I guess this will be the year he, you know, now that he's gone through it once in that regard, maybe that's all he needed. Maybe, maybe we, maybe we should have treated him a little bit more like a rookie last year than a guy that was just like, full-blown, ready to go be a full-time starter. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. A um, few texts here. Um, we have someone asking, hey, guys, I listened yesterday when you were talking about the Texans' schedule next year, their opponents, and I missed it. Did you guys say how many playoff teams they're playing? Is it seven or is it nine? It's seven. They play seven teams next season that made the playoffs this year. Detroit, Green Bay, Buffalo, Miami, and then the three division champs that they play in their variable games in their first place schedule games, Baltimore, Kansas City, and Dallas. That's a pretty sporty group. And by for basis of comparison, they played a total of four teams this season that made the playoffs in twenty twenty three. Three teams out of the AFC North, Baltimore, Cleveland, and Pittsburgh, and then Tampa Bay who won the NFC South. This is a much harder schedule next year. But, well, yeah, and you know how that goes. I mean, there's always with the disclaimer that paper, man, a few, yeah. few teams that look awesome now are bad next year, and vice versa. Yeah. So, like, I guess of the teams that are good now that could do a nosedive next year, theoretically, mm-hmm. of those of, of that list, are there any of those uh, those seemingly awesome teams that might not end up being that great? Um, they couldn't be that great. Let's see. Well, well the, Ra- the Ravens, the Ravens lose a lot. Well. They don't necessarily lose them. They have a lot of key free agents. Yeah. They'll retain a few of them, but um, I can't see them falling off of a cliff, and Lamar Jackson's still going to be a headache no matter how good the team is. Yeah. But I could see them being not quite – I mean, right now, right this moment, they look like the perfect football team. For sure. So they, they might not be the perfect football team next year at yeah. least, but I think they're still going to be – because they have Lamar Jackson, they're going to be I think good. I, Baltimore and Kansas City are going to be formidable as long as they have that head coach and that quarterback for either of those teams. I think what's interesting, Seth, is that – Buffalo, Miami, and Dallas, again, three playoff teams this year that the Texans play next year. I think you could argue that all three of those head coaches are on some version of a hot seat right now. Sean McDermott in Buffalo, Mike McDaniel in Miami, and Mike McCarthy in Dallas. Buffalo's got a lot of free agency that's an old. That's an too. old defense in Buffalo. Yeah, that was. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of talk. It seems like from what I see 
out of Buffalo. I think there was a lot of hand wringing over whether that was the closing of their window. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think as long as you've got a stud quarterback, that window is perpetually open, and it might not happen the way you planned it. But it is the degree of difficulty goes up for Buffalo this year. I think conversely, I think Baltimore, Kansas City, as you mentioned, are going to be good. I think Green Bay is ascending right now. Probably like Green Bay yeah. may be hard. I know they're a playoff team and they want a playoff game. But that you know they're nine and eight this year. Green Bay could be a twelve win team next year if Jordan Love keeps playing the way he is. I get you get you get that old blessed uh, you know test of hey full year of film on Jordan Love mm-hmm. and uh, let's see what they do with it. They got to pay either, him too. Yeah, they yeah. got to pay him. So um, so there's that. But yes, yeah, seven seven playoff teams. Um, text message: If we lose Slowick, won't the offensive scheme possibly change with a new OC? Couldn't Damian Pierce still have a chance? Yeah, if they choose to get an OC who runs a different system, I don't see that happening. Yeah, I think that this – I think D'Amico feels the way I do about uh, uh, Kyle Shanahan inspired originally by Gary Kubiak's style offense and worked in conjunction with Mike Shanahan as well. But uh, I just call it a Kyle Shanahan offense. I think that the outside zone run is just such a chief component of what they want to do and how they want to spread the, the field. They want to spread the field horizontally as well as vertically – uh, I think D'Amico, just like me, played against those schemes and understands like it's a pain in the ass when that's executed properly. It's like uh, it's like the Swan Kick and Karate Kid. No mm-hmm. can defend. So it's a crane. Execu- it's the crane when, kick, not the Swan. What did I call kick. it? The, well, the Swan the, Kick was even more lethal. Have you ever seen uh, a Swan kick somebody? Yeah, because swans are swans are much angrier yeah. in real life. They are angry. They, You're right yeah, about that. Yeah. So the Swan <laughs> Swan and or crane kick. When done Some, properly, no can defend, no, Sean. It is true. No can defend when it's done properly. So uh, that's where I'd be really, really surprised if they go outside of the Kubiak-Shanahan tree. The other thing about the Kubiak-Shanahan tree and this offense is because so many teams now run it, like Brian Callahan just hired to the Titans. He's a he's a Kubiak-Shanahan guy. He's a Kubiak guy. Um, then it's you're also theoretically more capable of finding coordinators who share similar philosophies, so you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time you hire a new offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Like, how many times did you have to hear about Ben Roethlisberger, you know, learning now, oh, this is how Todd Haley does it. Sorry, it's going to be a year while we figure this out. You know, like, and then it's, or it's Bruce Arians or it's whomever else. So I think with, I, I would be very, very, very surprised if they get an offensive coordinator who isn't going to run a pretty similar system. Yeah. If Bobby Slowick leaves, this system just got this system just yielded the greatest rookie quarterback season yeah. in the history yeah. of the sport. Why would you change it? And in a lot of it, you know, like system maybe like it's more of a philosophy yeah. in a lot of ways. But there's some common themes to the philosophy, and one of them is the outside zone running game. Yeah, and like it's I just I find it very unlikely that they move away from that. And that's the thing that causes Damian Pierce the issues. Boy, McLean got some people angry on on our podcast on Utopia. They uh one of the video uh snippets that got dropped online yesterday was yeah. McLean just offhandedly saying CJ had a great year, but it wasn't the greatest year for a rookie quarterback. That would be Ben Roethlisberger because he went thirteen and zero with the Steelers in twenty in two thousand four. And he started listing Ben's stats. He's like seventeen touchdowns, eleven interceptions. And I'm like, John, you're arguing against yourself right now. <laughs> he got people so angry and so worked up. They're like, that's why this guy's not with the Chronicle anymore. <laughs> like, no, he chose not to be there anymore. But it, he got people so angry that he was citing QB record as the reason. And I, I took him, I took him to task for it. I said, John. I think if I put C.J. Stroud as a rookie on that Steeler team, they probably go thirteen and zero. Also, like I, 
he'd be just as big a reason for the record as Ben Roethlisberger was. It's the it's the one thing I would if I were to maybe offer advice to people nationally talking about C.J. Stroud. It would be to mention more often how little support he had from the run game. Yeah, that that this is the like usually really good rookie performances are almost always tied to also having a strong rushing game already. You know, Russell Wilson his first two years, Ben Roethlisberger his first couple years, Tom Brady his first couple years. It's just it's it's really hard to do without a good rushing attack. Where does the Jim Harbaugh hire stack up? On the Lovey D'Amico coach upgrade scale. That was a question asked of us by a loyal listener, Coach Middle Screen. Um, we'll assess that and maybe some of the other hires as well where they stack up on that upgrade scale. And we'll do that next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.